just think, Andy, that may be the last time I get to do that. Come up those stairs. I tell you, it's, it's great to be with you this morning. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. And uh, good to see you. Thank you for your faithfulness. You have been a faithful church through what has been a very difficult time. Uh, Pastor Josh and I were talking this morning to say how difficult it's been. Uh, in the whole time he's been here, it's been just one thing after another, ministry-wise, and of course the COVID, and, and yet God has blessed tremendously. The church is in great shape in a number of ways, lots of new people, lots of young people, thankful for that. Children's ministries continue to grow financially. God has been good to us, and we're just thankful for that. And just appreciate that. And Jen, thank you. Great great to hear it last night. Great to hear it again this morning, how God is continuing to work in your life. And I just feel like we're such a part of that through you, that we've been a part of that ministry and seeing people saved. And sometimes we think, well, you know, if somebody gets saved here, we're part of that. No, we're, we're part of that when somebody gets saved there in Chile because that's the part of the ministry that we have. And we are around the world in that way. And missions are so very important. God blesses a missions-minded church. So we're thankful for that today. Take your Bibles and go over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 this morning, if you have your Bible with you, uh, God is moving in a, in a way in our church and we're thankful for that. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about new beginnings. New beginnings. I, uh, I just feel that God is moving on my heart today to talk about that. How important it is to have new beginnings. You know, none of us really like change, right? I mean, let's face it, we, some of us are better at it than others, but Change can be very difficult because we feel comfortable and we feel comfortable in our, our zone, so to speak, or our comfort zone as it is or as it were. But the truth of the matter is if you know Christ as your personal Savior, you've experienced change. That is absolutely true because the Bible teaches that all things are old that are in our life, our old ways, and we are, all things are new and there's new things in our life. And, and so we know that there's change that is there. Change is not a bad thing. Change is a good thing. You cannot have growth without change. It's not possible for that to take place. And so going to Acts chapter 2 then, I was reading this just a few minutes ago, and God was just laying this on my heart. In verse 36, it says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Let's begin with a word of prayer, but doing that this morning, I want to bring Pastor up and uh, just have a word of prayer for him as well this morning. Just feel led to pray for him as this transition is taking place and believe that this is the man that God has called to be here as our pastor. And so we want to pray for him this morning and ask God's blessing on him. And I'll incorporate that into this message, which I have no idea where it's going. <laughs> Father, I just thank you so much that you're so good. And your Holy Spirit is wonderful and great. And I believe, Father, that you have raised up Pastor Dave. I believe you've prepared him. You have laid on him the vision and direction that he needs. I thank you for the experience that you've given him as he's been pastoring for 20, well, he's been here for 25 years, Lord. We thank you for that. I thank you for these people, Father, and I pray your blessing on him. And I pray, Father, that you would anoint him from on high, that you'd use him in a powerful way, that this church would move forward. And even though this seems like it's an ending, it's not. It's a beginning. It's a new beginning, Father, and so I pray that you would bless this change and that, Father, you'd use Dave, Pastor Dave, Dave, my friend, but Pastor, in a wonderful, great, and awesome way and that this church would just be filled with reports of people getting saved around the world and both here we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thank you, my friend. All right, so good, good to get there. So, so looking at this passage then, there's some things that take place here that are really interesting. You've got to remember this is the beginning of the church. This is what's happened as Pentecost has taken place. Uh, Peter has stand up and preached, and it tells us that there's a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit at this time. When you come to verse 40, it says, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. I think of the world around us today, and I think of some of the philosophies and some of the mindset that's going on. When I think of the corruption, the evil, and all of that, we are called, both here and in Chile and around the world, to save people, to give them the gospel message so that they may be saved from this corrupt generation, this corrupt generation that they're in. You see, and you need to realize, and I need to realize, that the only hope that people have is salvation. The only hope, uh, hope that people have is coming to know Christ. All the world philosophies, all the mindsets, all the finances, all of the strategies, all of that put together, none of it adds up or even helps it really in any eternal way besides salvation. People's greatest need is Christ's. And I think as a church we need to keep that at the center of our focus we need to realize that as we move forward, missions is not something that should sit on the back burner. Missions is not something that we just think about and kind of pay, give lip service to and say, wow, aren't we a great church? We give 80-some, 90-some thousand dollars to missions. As a matter of fact, it could become an issue of pride. And we need to be careful in that area and realize that we don't send Jen or anybody else off of the mission field to be a nice, wonderful, help people feel good or meet their need. We are there to meet their greatest need, which is Christ. But that also needs to be here. We also need to realize that our greatest need that people have, our greatest need as a church, is to help people with their greatest need, which is to come to know Jesus. Now, I am surprised at believers at times that seem to have this idea that there's something wrong with the world. Now, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, this idea that the world is going to, to hell in a handbasket is what you hear sometimes, those words that are being said and, and that kind of sense. And I am surprised that of believers who go, how can this be? This is awful. This is terrible. Well, the truth of the matter, it is terrible. It's also what the Bible tells us is going to happen. The men are going to wax worse and worse. The world is going to continue to go downhill. There is a drowning bunch of people that are out there, and the only possible the ability that they have of hope is if we step up and send out or give out the life raft or the life ring, as it were, for them to be saved. Don't lose sight of that. The days ahead, don't lose sight of that. Sometimes I think... The devil does everything he can to distract us from that goal. He will bring confusion. He will bring uh, this idea of division. He will bring destruction. He will do everything he can to keep us from being involved in seeing people saved. He will do everything he can. If he can get us fighting with one another, if he can get us upset about something, if he can get us arguing over the color of the wall or the carpets, he can get us upset about something that somebody made a decision and I don't like that and da 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 and whatever, and these ripples fall through, that is just playing into the devil's hands. And guess what? You and I are saved, praise the Lord, but every person 
that doesn't hear the gospel because we're distracted on doing things that really and ultimately don't matter. How sad that is. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Now we sit there and we think, wow, that's amazing. I suggest to you that that ought to be the norm. I suggest to you that people ought to be saved through the church around the world at phenomenal rates. That God moves on hearts and lives. Is this abnormal? We, We would agree to that. But it ought to be normal for people to be added to the church. It ought to be growing. If the church is healthy, if the church is putting God first, if the church is putting the word of God first, then there ought to be things that are happening. There ought to be change. There ought to be this move in a wonderful way. So as we go from there, we go into what should the church be doing. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. There needs to be this idea of the teaching of the word of God. And I'm so thankful as I step out of this pulpit, there's a man stepping into the pulpit who believes in the word of God. That God has raised him up. He, his faith and practice and everything is based upon that. You listen to him, he'll come into my office and say, I just found this in the word or I saw this. And he spends time in the word of God. And I believe that instead of, say, me sliding back or moving over, that God is going to move you forward as a church. And I firmly believe that the best days for True Life Church are in the days ahead. I absolutely believe that. This is not an ending, folks. If you come this morning and think, well, we're going to show up for pastors last Sunday. Thank you for being here. But I got news for you. Church is next Sunday as well. And you better be here. (laughs) Just kidding. Hey, God has worked in a powerful way. God has raised Pastor Dave up, and I'm excited about that. So the first thing is teaching. We need to be devoted to the teaching of the Word. And if you're not in the Word of God, you need to be in the Word of God. Whether that's on Sunday morning, your personal devotions, uh, small groups, whatever it is, God getting you, because that's what grows us. That's what helps us to serve. And then he goes on from there, and he says, in fellowship. And that's the idea of community. We need to have community in our church. And, boy, I'll tell you, I have never been through a time in church history that I can remember my 30 years of ministry where the last year has been, like this last year, where it has been extremely difficult. You know, I miss fellowships. I miss potato bars. I do, for more reasons than one. I miss those things. But the fellowship, the body coming together, that unity, that community, that needs to be here. That is not something we do. We don't do fellowships because it's something nice. We do fellowships because that's what we're called to do. And it'll be great to see the church get back. By the way, Pastor Josh and and Stacy and others have put together some summer programs. Be a part of that. Be involved in that. That's fellowship. We had a fellowship Tuesday night uh, for Brenda and I going away from the, from the staff, and wow, it was great. I just sat there and just thought, this is wonderful. I'm not a fellowship kind of, mingle kind of guy, but boy, I was so blessed. It was wonderful. It was great to be there. To the breaking of bread and prayers, notice the prayer. I think God has moved us as a church to prayer. I really believe that. Continue to be, you know, I did prayer on Thursday night at the um, uh, online, and it was great to see the people popping up and the faithfulness of people. Prayer is what will make the difference. Nothing of any eternal value is done apart from prayer. Be a praying church in the days ahead. The church goes back to having a Tuesday night prayer meeting. Show up. 
Show up, be part of that, be a part of that. It's important in that way. Prayer is so important in the church. The minute prayer begins to wane is the beginning of the downfall of the church. Church, because what does prayer do? Prayer in its most basic sense says, God, I need you. That's its most basic sense, God, I need you. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. A sense of awe. Why? Because God was doing amazing things. And it doesn't just have to be back then. It can be today as well. We ought to be in awe of what God's doing. We ought to be in awe on people getting saved, people getting baptized, new people coming into the church. We ought to be in awe of that and just celebrate that and how wonderful God is. Verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. You know what there was? There was also this looking after the needs looking after the needs. And it wasn't just the idea of I've got what I want and I'm looking after me and selfishness. But the minute Christ comes into something, selfishness disappears and there begins to be this generosity. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds, uh, proceeds to all as any had need. And listen to this. And day by day, attending the temple together, coming to do not forsake yourself, the assembling together. That's biblical. And breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Generous hearts, celebrating, worshiping, joy, all of these things that come out of hearts that are right with God. Again, I think the devil is going to do all that he can to drive a wedge. How do you prevent that from happening? How do you prevent him from coming in? The bottom line is this. You get your heart right with God and you keep it there. That means spending time in the word of God daily, spending time in prayer, assembling yourselves together and worshiping as a body. And if you do that, there will be a hedge of protection that is placed around this church in the days ahead that the devil cannot break in and steal. That's what needs to happen. And see, it's not enough just to say, well, you know, I hope my pastor's a godly man. It's not enough just to say, well, I hope my, my life group teacher's a godly man. I hope our elders are godly people. No, you need to be a godly people. You need to be a godly people. You need to get into the word of God. You need to grow in Christ. You say, well, I'm not growing. That's not my fault. That's yours. Because you have every tool, everything you need to grow in Christ, to get into the word of God daily, to get into prayer daily, and as you do that, God will move on your hearts and your lives. And notice what comes out of it. A sharing, community, gladness of heart, generosity, all of those things that are there. Now, if I can speak frankly for a moment, you may notice I don't talk about finances very often. I don't do that. I just believe that if people's hearts are right with God, then he'll provide. Now, Judy will have a canary when I go over here <laughs> because that's her job to look after the fact. She worries about him. I don't. God just takes care of us. Let me just tell you something. In a pandemic year, you would expect our offerings to go down, right? You would expect, because some weeks we didn't, even hardly, we didn't even have church. You would expect that things would really turn in the wrong direction. So you would know then that the hand of God has been upon us if things had gone a different way. In 2020, correct me if I'm wrong, Judy, but in 2020, our offerings were up by about $150,000 over the year before. And there's only one person that deserves praise for that. That's an almighty God. That's an almighty God. Why is that? 
Because when people grow in Christ, and people get their heart right with Christ, there is generosity, there is unity, there is oneness, there is all these things. And it depends on each one of us getting there. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. Hmm. Praising God and then having favor. And the idea is being doors open for the gospel. Doors open for the gospel. They're in favor with people, not in the sense that we're pleasing the world or anything like that, but being a place where people can come and feel comfortable and, and come to know Christ and grow in that way. And the result of that, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who are being saved. Wow, what a powerful church. But it doesn't have to be a church of back in Jesus' day, probably about 30 A.D., 34 A.D., it could be a church today. Why can't we have a church like this in 2021? Why can't this exist? And the truth is there's no reason at all. This church can exist. This church can be powerful if we spend time in the word, if we pray for our pastor, if we get behind our elder board, if we strive for unity, if we have a generous hearts, if we praise God and move into this community and world with one heart and one goal. Now, if that happens, then there's always the issue of pride. Because the church can get there very quickly. We're it. Look what we've done. Look where we've come to. Look what we've accomplished. And pride can sneak in very, very quickly. So just finishing up by going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a wonderful passage here. Paul's defending, in a sense, his, his ministry because they've come along and, and people have said, well, there's this person and they've got this gospel and they've done this and they're so great and all of that. And Paul humbly comes back and responds to that. And Paul boasts, but not in himself. He boasts in what God has done. He says this in verse 5. He says, on behalf of this man, 2 Corinthians 12, 5, on behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast except for my weaknesses. Paul recognized his weaknesses. And though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of surpassing greatness of the revelation, he'd been called up to the third heaven, he'd seen great things. But it's also possible for pastors and a people to think, wow, we're it. We've got it figured out. And it's possible for a pride to sneak in. He says this, because of surpassing greatness of revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. Now, I'm sure that Paul at that point thought to himself, why do I got this thing? And some people think maybe it was his eyesight he couldn't see. We know that he, he used a secretary to write things for him. A thorn was given to him in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Why? Because God knew that the opposite of this church that we have described, the success that we have described is the word pride. And God knew that Paul was a great servant, but if pride had snuck in there, then he'd be done. He'd be finished. And you and I probably would not be sitting here today. He says, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. 
But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with the weaknesses. And notice this list. He says, I'm glad to have these things. I'm happy to have these things. I'm content with these things. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecutions, and calamities. Why? Why was he happy to have those? Nobody wants these things. As a pastor, the last thing you want is to have to deal with this stuff. But if it was able to make me weak, if it was able to humble me, Paul says, I'll gladly take it. For then he ends up with this conclusion. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Pastor Dave, my prayer for you is that you be weak. My prayer for this church is that it be weak. Because your strength is not found in yourself. Your strength is found in God. You see... When I am weak, then am I strong. Be humble. Humble yourself before the Almighty. Recognize anything of any eternal value is done by people that are weak. God takes the weak and he confounds the wise. God takes the weak and he does amazing things. God takes people that are inadequate. God takes people that fall flat on their face. God takes people who can't speak. God takes people who are just struggling to try to put two thoughts together, and he absolutely uses them in amazing ways. Why? So that he gets the credit. He gets the glory, and not us. I'll say it again. The best days of this church are still ahead. God has raised up a pastor who's going to lead you forward. And let's pray for him, and I'm going to pray for you find your strength not in yourself not in your wisdom not in your understanding but in an almighty God Father I thank you for your word this morning and the great reminder Lord I lift this church before you Father what a great church it is but it's not great because it's great it's great because you're great and Father I pray that this church would like never before Find that the way forward is on their knees. Find that the way forward is by being weak, by leaning upon you, by calling upon you, by finding that you are there to meet their need. It's your desire to see this church move forward, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the only thing that could get in the way of that is that we try to do it ourselves instead of letting you do it instead of giving you the glory, instead of praising you. So far, I prayer for this church then, Lord, is that it be weak, so then it'll be strong. In Jesus' name, amen.